And I'm going to read uh, the verses this morning, the next uh, section we're going to work through. And here's what God's Word says, 1 Thessalonians 4.9. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. And so just by way of reminder, the Apostle Paul is writing to um, this church, the church of Thessalonica. And remember, during Paul's second missionary journey, he had traveled through this area of modern-day Greece, northern Greece, And this city uh, is set upon the eastern side on the coast of Greece. Paul was there. A church was planted. Um, He was only there for uh, approximately a month, maybe less, and he got run out of town. Him and his team, major persecution. They left, and they couldn't get back. They could not get back to see these new believers, this amazing work of God's Spirit. They couldn't get back to see them. They were concerned about their faith, how are, they, how are they doing in their walk with Jesus. And so eventually the Apostle Paul sent, who did Paul send? Sent Timothy, right, to see how they were doing. And Timothy was there encouraging them, spending time with them. And then finally Timothy came back and rejoined Paul and the team, and he gave a good report, didn't he? He said they are continuing to trust Jesus, they're continuing to trust the Word, and their love is continuing to grow. And so Paul was super stoked to hear the good news, and now he writes them a letter. And so we've worked our way through this letter, and we've come to a place in this letter where Paul is giving instruction to the church. Um, He's giving uh, some reminders to the church also. And um, just by way of reminder also, last week, remember what Paul said he spoke about in the verses we read and studied last week, he continued to urge and exhort the brethren there in Thessalonica to keep doing what God has called them to do, to be obedient to the word of God, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. He also spoke about God's will for their lives, their sanctification. And remember that big word, sanctification? It simply means to be set apart from and set apart unto. And so as believers, we've been set apart from this world. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into God's marvelous light as children of light. We've been set free from the power of sin, the penalty of sin. Jesus has done an amazing work to bring us into the family of God, correct? And so it's a beautiful work that he does. 
bringing us together as a family. It is a miraculous work that he does, bringing us together as a family. And so that's what happened in Thessalonica. And Paul is encouraging them, now that your lives are set apart from the stuff you were once involved with, you, t- you turn from idols, you ditch the idols, now your life is for the Lord's exclusive use in his alone. And we talked about being vessels of honor in God's great house. We want to be vessels of honor, don't we? To be used by the Lord in special ways to make our lives count for all eternity, not to waste time, but to redeem the time that we have left on this planet for the glory of God and for the furtherance of his kingdom. And so the Apostle Paul spoke specifically about our sanctification also, and that was what? That is our lives Um, being sexually pure as Christians. You guys remember that last week? You guys are still here, praise the Lord. It was a heavy message, wasn't it? Good, necessary heavy. We need to hear that. We need to be reminded that God has called us to live sexually pure lives. And he reminded the church that he's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to live those lives um, that are honoring to the Lord in this area um, of, 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 uh, of sexual purity. And so now he shifts gears a little bit here. And, and I think personally, as we read through like the next couple of chapters, I think Paul is answering possibly some questions the church had, that they sent questions back with Timothy, because he's going to use this word concerning, concerning, concerning. In fact, it said it right there, the first two words of verse 9. But concerning brotherly love, If you look down at verse 13, Paul says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or who have died in Christ. And then chapter 5, verse 1, But concerning the times and the seasons. So it's possible that they had sent questions with Timothy, and now he's saying concerning this and concerning that and concerning this other question that they may have had. Here's the response to that. And look at his response here. He says, but concerning, what does he say? Brotherly, brotherly love. Brotherly, brotherly love. So there's four Greek words for love, correct? There's eros, which is sensual or sexual love. There's storge, which is family love. And there's agape, which we'll talk about in just a minute. That's God's, that's divine love, Right? An unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's agape love. And then there's phileo love. That's brotherly love. We get, uh, Phila- what's the city we get? Philadelphia, right? City of brotherly love. And when we speak of brotherly love, um, it, it communicates or speaks of friendship or fondness. Listen, we are to be friends in the body of Christ. Are we to be friends in the body of Christ? Listen, yesterday I got home and I was reflecting upon our time together at the beach as a church, outside of the church walls, and um, it is a miracle what God's doing in our church. I hope we see that, because what has God done? He's brought us together from all different tribes, tongues, nations, correct? Correct? bunch of weirdos. Not me, Pastor, that's you. You're right. That's okay. That's okay. Bunch of, what does the Bible say in 1 Peter? Peculiar, peculiar people. Yeah. 
brought a bunch of peculiar people together, brought our lives together, calls us to do what? To have brotherly love, to have agape, and we start doing that. And what does the Lord do? The miraculous. He brings our lives together and makes them one. Do you realize how much of a miracle that is? I guarantee probably not many of y'all would have hung out with me before I got saved. And maybe it's the same way for you, but I love being with you now. <laughs> I can't wait to get together and fellowship together, and it's glorious. That is a miracle. That is an answer, by the way, that is an answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17. That we would be one as he and the Father are one. Well, how close are the Father and Son? Are they pretty tight? They're close, aren't they? That's the closeness that we are to have as brothers and sisters in the Lord. But Jesus went one step further. Check this out. He said, with our oneness, it would proclaim the gospel to a lost world. By this, all men will know that the Father has sent me, Jesus said. You know how powerful our, I mean, again, I saw it happening yesterday. When we get outside of the church walls and when we do stuff together as a family, right, as we do what we've been called to do, it is a radical testimony to a lost world because they're, they're wondering, what in the world are these people tapped into? How could they get along? You've got cops and robbers and, and all kinds of different people, different backgrounds, and they're brought together and they love one another and they serve one another and they're excited and they're joyful about Jesus. That's, listen, that is miraculous. And Paul's like, listen, concerning this brotherly love, concerning friendship, concerning fondness for one another, you have no need, right? Is that what he says? You have no need that I should write to you about this. I don't need to answer any questions. And then for why, look what it says. What's the reason why? You guys got your Bibles? What's it say? For you yourselves are taught by God. To love, that's agape, to love one another. That's amazing. Are you willing to be taught this morning? You guys willing to be taught by the Lord this morning, by God? This is so beautiful. God teaches us. Think about how God teaches us. Right? Well, we know from the word, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. We know how much the father loves the world, how he loved. How did the father love? He gave his best when he gave his son for us. We know the love of the son, Jesus, don't we? By this we know love that he gave his life for us voluntarily, willingly lay down his life for you and I. We know his love that way. We learn his love that way. We learn about the, the Holy Spirit also, the love of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, we're told that God has shed his love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. In this church, what's so beautiful, they're going through difficulty they're going through tribulation, small t. It's heavy. It's gnarly what they're facing. And you know what they're doing? The love keeps ramping up. 
The love keeps ramping up. In fact, Paul prayed, remember back in chapter 3, right at the end there, Paul's little prayer, that your love would increase and abound towards, one another, towards everybody. And you know what? When we read chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, we see that God answered that prayer. Their love continued to abound and to grow. You know what that tells me? Our love can grow and increase and abound, and it should be. If it's not, listen, if it's not, our love may be atrophying. Is that the word? It's, it, can grow, it can grow weaker and weaker. How do you know that, Mike? Remember when Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse? Matthew 24. And Jesus talks about the last days. And what they would be like before his kingdom is birthed on this earth. Before he comes, his second coming, and the signs that would accompany the last days. One of the things that he says, it's so crazy when you read this. He says, because of lawlessness. Are we seeing lawlessness today, by the way? Because of lawlessness, even in the church, lawlessness. Because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold or wax cold. That's a heavy thing to ponder and to meditate on. Because lawlessness is growing. I don't know about you, but I can sense my heart sometimes getting harder and harder towards evil people. And you know what? I was in their shoes before. But that's what happens. Our love begins to grow colder and colder. But here's the deal. How do I know it's for us? Because that word love is agape. Jesus chose to use a certain word for love. And guess what? There is only one group of people who have agape love. And guess who that is? That's you and that's me, brother or sister. Only we have agape love. The world ain't got that love. We have it. And he's saying, our, as lawlessness increases, the love of many, I pray that not any of us, our love grows colder or colder. My prayer for this congregation is that our love would increase and abound as it is right now. Not only for a lost world, not only for our Jesus, but also for one another. And so Paul says, listen, it's God who teaches you to love one another. Are we instructed anywhere else in Scripture how to love one another or about loving one another? Well, Jesus told us, didn't he? Did Jesus say anything about this? John chapter 13. Maybe you're saying, what's love got to do with it? Making sure you're still with me this morning. <laughs> You know what love's got to do with everything as Christians? In fact, listen, this is what Jesus said. This is John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You guys catch that? Treat others as Jesus would treat them. 
Don't you like how Jesus has treated you? Do you guys like how Jesus has treated you or no? Treat others as Jesus would treat you. And he goes on to say, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's, to me, that's so interesting because Jesus authorizes the world to look at us as Christians and to see whether we're legit or not by our love for one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples. And so as the world looks in and looks on on our lives, brother or sister here at Calvary Chapel, West Houston, I pray that our love would be abounding and growing and flowing towards one another, that it would be a radical testimony towards those in the world. If you're taking notes, I'm going to flip over there one more place. As John was writing that gospel, and then he wrote later his first epistle, he reflects on loving one another. Is loving one another important? Okay, first John, real quick, I'm going to run over there. You guys remember who John was? John was the apostle whom Jesus loved. I like that. He was later called, so check this out, he was later called the apostle of love. But he didn't begin that way, did he? Not a trick question. Did he begin that way? He didn't. Remember, him and his brother were called the sons of wispy white clouds and gentle breezes. Summer breeze. You guys are the sons of summer breeze. Remember why he called, I mean, the name fit, didn't it? Sons of thunder. Remember when they were cruising through that Samaritan village? And they rejected Jesus. And James and John came to Jesus. And what did they say? Lord, should we call down, like Elijah, call down fire on these guys? Turn or burn, baby. They ain't listening. Correct? These dudes were, these dudes were rough and tumble. They were aggro, man. Burning people up. Toasting, you know. But then he turns into the apostle of love. By the way, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Takes us from being sons of thunders to being disciples whom Jesus loved and that are called those that love one another. So crucial as we yield to his work in our lives. Here's what John wrote about loving one another. I'm going to read a few verses. This is 1 John 2, 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Did you guys see that? He who loves his brother abides, dwells, stays in the light. And guess what? There's safety there. There's protection there from stumbling. He says, if you're hating a brother or sister in the church, he says, 
Don't be deceived. You are walking in darkness. Very dangerous. And so the darkness has blinded that person's eyes. 1 John 3.10. Look what it says in 1 John 3.10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Did you guys catch that? So he, taught, he says there's a difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. Those who belong to God, what do they do? They practice righteousness. That's the orientation of their life, is doing what's right, but also what? Loving their brother. Those two things go hand in hand. You guys see that? You guys see that? Yeah? Good? Verse 14, same chapter. We know that we have passed from death to life. We know, you guys know this this morning? We've passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John's like pretty cut and dry, isn't he? John pretty like straightforward, right? We know to, this morning, we've passed from death to life. We, we, are, we now have everlasting life. How do we know that? Because we love one another. I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I didn't love anybody but myself. It was all about me, myself, and I. What can I get from you and take from you and whatever? And then you get saved and a miracle happens, Correct. A miracle happens. God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in you and in me. And there's a change. If there hasn't been a change, then there hasn't been a change. If there hasn't been a change, guess what? There hasn't been a change. There should be a change in our lives. He's saying here, if you've passed from death to life, if you become a child of God, there will be love for the brethren. That's a great heart check, isn't it? By this we know love. How do we know love? Because Jesus laid down his life for us. That's 316. And check this out. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. How are we to love one another? How does God teach? How's God teaching us this morning to love one another? To lay down our lives. For one another, not just to have friendship. Hey, let's have some fellowship. We'll watch the ball game. Hallelujah. It's there's a demonstration in our lives of love by laying down our lives for one another. That's what God should be teaching us. If I'm open to his teaching and I'm learning then more and more I will be laying down my life for you. You'll be laying down your life for me. Whatever that looks like as the Spirit leads us, it's sacrificial. There's no strings attached. It's not, hey, I'll love you if you love me, man. Hey, if no one's loving me, I ain't going to love them. That's not what it says. We're called to love one another. 
I mean, how does, Je- does Jesus love you unconditionally? That's agape love, unconditional commitment to imperfect people. What's an example of this kind of love? Look at the next verse after that, 317. But whoever has this world's goods, he got a bunch of stuff, and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Wow. So God initiates the process. By this we know love, that he gave his life for us. You also ought to lay down your lives for the brethren. How can I do that practically? You see a brother hurting and in need, and you say, be warm, be filled, praying for you, bro. It's going to be all good. God works all things together for good. And you got stuff to be able to help that person? He's saying, that's no bueno, man. That's no good. In fact, he says in the next verse, listen to what he says. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to hear this morning? Because we can do that, can't we? Love you, bro. Mean it. As I'm pulling the hatchet out of my back. (laughs) Right? We're going to get to that in just a minute about not gossiping and stuff. That's on, the, that's on the menu for today, too. Isn't that great? Isn't that good? We need it. We need to hear that. Or slandering. It's good. It keeps us right where we need to be, right in the pocket, right? Right going on the right direction together. But you see your brother in need, and, you, and you're like, yeah, dude, love you, man. John says, how can God's love abide in your heart? There's a problem. There's a disconnect. Well, he goes on. You wait for some more? All right. I'm, I wasn't going to wait for an answer. End of chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Wow, what a great test. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Wow, if I'm not loving, I don't know God. If there is absolutely zero love going on for your brother or sister in the church, guess what? You may need to raise your hand at the end of service and give your life to Jesus. Or or come back to him. Come back to Jesus. Because you've made Christianity something that it isn't. Jesus said it. If we're legit, if we're real, John repeats it. If we have something real going on with Jesus, there will be love for one another. In fact, he said, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, shown that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. That's so awesome. When we love one another, what happens? 
The invisible God is seen through our lives. I'll aim. Thank you, Lord. If someone, this is uh, chapter 4, verse 20, and I'll finish up here. If someone says, I love God, this is a, good, this is a great one right here. Right? Yes, I love God. I sing about it. I love you, Lord. But I hate my brother. <laughs> Someone says, I love God and hates his brother. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. And you know what the Lord, I don't know, have you found this true? The Lord puts us in situations to stretch us in the love department. Have you guys found that true? It's just me. The Lord brings people into our lives. And I'm learning more and more the difficulties we have with one another is a chance to prove that our love is genuine and real. Let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever loved someone sacrificially and it felt really good? You served, you loved in this way, and it just was like, wow, that was amazing. Or let me flip that around. Have you ever had someone love you that way? Sacrificially, and it was amazing. Oh, that was awesome. It feels good, doesn't it? What Paul is saying is, you're loving one another that way now, you need to continue to abound in that love, to continue to stay focused on that, not worrying about the times you didn't love, because there's certainly times we didn't love, isn't it? If we're going to be on, are you guys lying in church? There's times we didn't love the way we should have, correct? Don't get beat up. Don't, again, have a pity party, a poor Mimi party. Just confess, repent, and next time say, Lord, I need your help to love this person you brought into my life, this brother or sister. And you know what happens so often? We get rubbed the wrong way, and we start to do what? We start to hop from church to church. And you know, what ha- you know what God has waiting for you? You guys are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. Remember when Jacob went on the run? Jacob, conniver, schemer, manipulator. He's like, I got to get out of Dodge. I'm out of here. Who did God have waiting for him? Uncle Laban, right? 12 times the manipulator, schemer. That's just, that's just what I've heard. We, we love, and something happens. We go somewhere else, and who does God bring into our life? Someone that's unlovable. <laughs> Maybe you're surrounded. Because why? Because that's what the Lord wants. That's His will for us. That's His desire. Listen, not just that, that's His commandment. That we would love one another. Well, there's one more verse. You guys can read it later. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. I'm running out of time. Let's get back, because this isn't the study on 1 John. <laughs> I think it's like seven like passages. 
All right. So you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And I love this in verse 10, back in 1 Thessalonians 4. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren. Not that you know it. Yeah, you know what? You guys learned. You guys know about love. You read it in your Bible study. You said amen. When the pastor did the teaching, amen. Yes. You know all about love now. It's no, you guys are doing it. And notice it says there, indeed you do so toward most of the brethren. Is that what it says? Towards the ones that are really lovable? Who, how many brethren? All the brethren. You're doing this toward all the brethren. Where? In Macedonia. All the churches that were planted... Man, they were spending time connecting together and love was flowing and growing in their fellowship in the midst of tribulation and difficulty and hardship. Their love is ramping up not only for one another but also for the lost all around them. That's healthy stuff. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But we urge you, brethren, here it is. We urge you, we beg you, brothers and sisters, that you increase more and more focus on loving others. You guys see this with me? It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal, y'all. It is. And something else, look what else he says. That you also, something else, also, that you also what? Aspire to... Lead a quiet life. What does it mean to aspire? Not like perspire, but not so much. You're just kind of dry. Is that what what's aspire mean? She's an aspiring actress. She's trying to get there. She's seeking that. She's going after that. That's her desire. Thank you. That should be our desire to live, to lead a quiet life. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you lead a quiet life? I've been just thinking about this during the week. It's like, what is life like around us? Noisy, busy, complex, Stuff going on all around us, constant noise. Constant on my computer, I finally found out how to turn off notifications. I wish someone would have helped me earlier. I get the I'm studying, here comes a little pop-up in the thing. Here's the news update. This is this, and this is the email that just came in. It's like, man. There's on your phone, right? Just constantly bombarded, something noise. Stuff trying to get our attention. And, and I, think here, I think we're not very comfortable with silence. I don't think we're very comfortable with silence. I can tell you when we have a prayer time together as a church, when it's silence, people start getting frisky. Like, <laughs> But he's saying here, that's what we're aspiring to. 
You can, listen, you can lead a quiet life in the midst of all the chaos. But you have to have quiet time in order to do that. When's the last time you got alone with Jesus? Maybe into your prayer closet. Didn't Jesus talk about that? Go into your closet, shut the door behind you. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When's the last time you just settled your heart before the Lord? Turned off the phone, off the TV, closed the door, got alone with Jesus either to pray and to pray and read your Bible. Do you know, did Jesus live a, lead a quiet life? He did, didn't he? He led a quiet life. He did? He did. I would, I would encourage you to, to check, look at that. I think the only time he wasn't quiet was at church. Cleansed the temple. Yelled unto everybody, come unto me and drink, all you who are thirsty. In the midst of all of the busyness, in the midst of all the noise, all of the stuff, was he pretty, but was he busy? Was stuff busy around him? Absolutely. How did he stay right in that place of having a quiet life? I'll tell you. If you're taking notes, you can check it out on your own. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Probably, in all the gospel accounts, the busiest day in Jesus' life. Remember what happened? He started out that day going to church. Because that was his custom. You know, it was Jesus' custom to go to church, not to skip. He went to church. He went to church that day, and what did he do? He gave an amazing Bible study, right? He set free someone that was possessed. He ministered at church. I'll bet he even stayed and hung with people and prayed with them. I don't think he shuttled on out to another place. Remember where he went, though, after church? He went to whose house? Peter's house, right? Guys, remember this story? Went to, and who was there? Peter's mother-in-law, and she was sick. And Jesus did what? He healed her. What's the moral of the story? Jesus loves mother-in-laws. Don't forget that one, y'all. Or the moral of the story is, don't forget to take Jesus home with you from church. Some of you will get that later, and you're going to need it. And then what happened? When the sun went down, so he's there ministering to the people at Peter's house. Sun goes down, and because the Sabbath ended. And here come all the people with the sick, with the hurting, with the demon-possessed. Everybody who had these needs, special needs, they all come to Jesus at the house, and it's packed. And what does he do? He spends time healing and helping people. I don't think it was like drive through type stuff. Like, okay, who's next? Shh, what's your number? Who's next? Shh, get him in and out. I think he spent time with each and every person. 
not only meeting the physical, emotional, mental needs, but the spiritual needs, because that's what's most important. All night long, one after another. And then it says, when you read it, check it out. Jesus, he got up a long while before the sun came up. You'd think that would be a day to sleep in, wouldn't you? Guys, don't wake me up. Don't hit, I'm not going to hit the snooze button. It's off. It says, and this is so important. Please don't miss this. Don't miss this, please. He got up a long while before daylight. He went to, listen, he went to a quiet place at a quiet time and had a quiet heart to pray and seek the Father. And then what happened? Everybody came to him. Come on, Jesus. You, they finally found him in his quiet place. Come on, Jesus. You, gotta, you got stuff to do over here, and you got to do this, and, 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 and here's your schedule. What did Jesus say? No, 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 no. To the next towns, I got to go. Because that's what the Father's called me to do. Right? We get pulled in all these different directions. Someone's saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. I need to hear from my father who speaks with, remember with Elijah? How does he speak? It wasn't in the earth, wind, and fire. It was in the still, small voice. With all the noise. Listen, if you don't kill the noise, how are you going to hear his still, small voice? In Hebrew, it's gentle, quiet whisper. How am I going to hear his still small voice if I don't kill the noise and get alone with him and spend time with him? Is it that important? Does it say that anywhere else in Scripture? 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me read this to you. This is like so crucial. First Timothy chapter 2. Pastor Timmy left in Ephesus, pastoring the church. What do I do? What do I do, man? I got a church. I got a pastor. I'm glad you asked. Paul says, therefore, I exhort first of all, what first things first, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority. First things first, what does he say? Timothy, I want, get the church praying for everybody, kings included. Who was the king at that time? Nero. How was Nero? Pretty good dude. Was Nero a pretty good dude for those of you who know history? He was brutal gnarly. He didn't say, hey, you know what? Nero's, yeah, you know, here's what we need to do. Get bumper stickers. Nero is a zero. And go viral. Post that online. Post that on your Insta. And then Facebook too. Get it on all your social media. What does he say? Pray. 
You know who our king is in this country? It's King Jesus, but you know who our, our, the equivalent would be? Some, you guys can't even say his name, can you? <laughs> Starts with B, rhymes with Niden. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Go viral on him? Send around jokes about him? Listen, I'm, I'm saying this because I read some of the posts and stuff people set, put out there, and I guarantee you did not pray before putting that out or read your Bible. I love you, but you know we give, we, we, give, we give great opportunity for the enemy to blaspheme the name of our Lord when we walk in disobedience to the Word and do things in our flesh. We know we shouldn't. God help us. Amen? Why should we pray? Look what it says. That you, that you and me, what does it say? Look what it says. That you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of, of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Doesn't that sound good, a quiet and peaceable life? No? You like drama? <laughs> I, yeah, Mike, I don't know, but I just like drama and just a bunch of heaviness and lack of peace, lack of quiet. I think, to me, that sounds amazing. Quiet peaceable life in all godliness and all reverence. And by the way, that's what is acceptable to God. He wants everybody to be saved. And I wonder how many people don't get saved because we don't pray like this. May we be men and women of prayer. And so Paul says to the Thessalonians back in 4, he says, what, aspire to lead a quiet life. And then what's he say? Mind your own beeswax. Do people still say that saying? Mind your own beeswax. That's still a saying or no? My grandma used to say it. Leave your sister alone. Mind your own beeswax. (laughs) Mind your own business. Hey, listen, if, 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 if we are about our father's business, there's no time to meddle in other people's business. Proverbs 26, I think it's 18 It talks about when you meddle in someone else's business, it's like grabbing the ears of a Rottweiler that's untrained. There's no bad bad dogs, just bad owners. Yeah, try it. (laughs) You meddle in someone else's business. That's what God says in his wisdom. Isn't that good counsel for us? Don't meddle in someone else's business. Jesus had to say that to Peter. Y'all remember John 21? Jesus tells Peter how his life's going to roll out. Here you go. And Peter turns around and looks at who? At John, the disciple Jesus loved, and said, what about him? What about this man? What did Jesus say? Loose paraphrase, never mind him, you follow me. Maybe that's a word for someone today. Never mind someone else. Listen, your job is not to go around pointing out 
what others are doing wrong either. Some people think that's their ministry. Do you know that? There's no spiritual gift in scriptures. I, at least I haven't found it. You can totally correct me. I'm down. If you can show me. And where Jesus is going to say, wow, you really did good at pointing out everybody else's mistakes and what they're doing wrong. I don't think he's going to say that when we stand before him. He says what? Don't. He says, we urge you, mind your own business. Be about the Father's business. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. In other words, man, don't be a lazy bum is the idea. Really, I mean, for lack of better words, the Bible, listen, the Bible condemns laziness, but the, the Bible um, speaks, high, God speaks highly of hard work. Correct? I mean, one reading through Proverbs. In fact, why does Paul have to say this? Why does Paul have to say this to the church? Think about it with me. Because there's some people that don't want to work and often take advantage of the body. But there's something else that was going on in Thessalonica. Paul taught about the rapture of the church. We're going to get to it next week. We're out of time. That the return of Jesus is imminent. He's coming at any moment. So you know what a bunch of people did? They quit their jobs. And they did, they did, they did one of these numbers. Could be today. Really? Look, flip forward with me real quick. Chapter uh, 2 Thessalonians, real quick. Chapter 2. No, sorry, chapter 3. But we command you, brethren, this is verse 6, chapter 3, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw, get away from every brother who walks disorderly, rebels in the body, and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. We've laid out a pattern, right? For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day. Why? That we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Is that pretty clear? And then he says, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Busybodies are what? Gossipers, that's right, murmurers. And so Paul says, back in 1 Thessalonians 4, let's finish, we're done. Look what it says. Aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, 
and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Why? That you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that your life would be a witness, those outside, that's outside the church, that your life and my life would be a witness for Jesus, and what? That you may lack nothing. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Because you know why? Because you're doing it Jesus' way, who's the good shepherd. And as David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He takes care of good care of his sheep. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this passage. And Lord, forgive us. We so often fall short in the love department. And would you help us, Lord, fill us? May our, our love increase and abound just as you answered that prayer in Paul's life and with the church of Thessalonica, that our love would increase and abound. And Lord, we'd walk in the things that you've communicated to our hearts this morning, that we would be your witnesses and that we would trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray right now that you would fill us afresh that truly out of our hearts would flow rivers of living water, that our lives again would bring you glory, and that people might take notice and come to know you. And so thank you for how you're going to work in our lives and in your church. And this morning as we are still in an attitude of prayers, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Perhaps you've been listening this morning and, and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. And we've talked about his love, the demonstration of his love. He was willing to come and die on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. Demonstrating not only his love, but that everything he said is true. That he is the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And he is able to save to the uttermost, those who come to him. Jesus came to save sinners. And if that's you this morning, and you're saying, yeah, I recognize my need, I would love to pray with you right now. Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's you this morning. I would love to pray with you right now. I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. Right where you're sitting, just would you raise up your hand and let me pray with you. I'll lead you in a prayer as you give your heart to Jesus. Anyone at all this morning, you're saying, yeah, Mike, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning to be forgiven, to get a fresh start. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Father, thank you so much. Again, for this amazing family. 
There is no other time like this, Lord, the days that we live in as we see your return for us drawing near. May we be about our Father's business. Lord, lead us in those paths of righteousness. Help us to grow in grace and the knowledge of you that we would bring you glory. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go and stand together for this last song.
that you've not left us as orphans. You've given us the Holy Spirit to help us to walk in the things that you you teach us, Lord. We pray that you would help us to be salt and light and that our love for you and for one another would grow and grow and abound more and more, Lord. I pray now for our time of fellowship, Lord. Please bless it. I pray that you would protect us, um, help us to shine this week to those around us, Lord, and may you knit our hearts closer together as one family, as one body. 